Greetings, constant listeners. It's Jen to the Rage Adams. What you're about to hear is a clip from our latest episode of our Patreon exclusive series, The Stephen King Archives, which sees the losers revisiting the year 1977, a crossroads period for King as he measured his own fame and success following Brian De Palma's Carrie and his chilling blockbuster third novel, The Shining. It's also the year King decided to revisit in Song of Susanna, the penultimate Dark Tower novel that we just covered in our latest book episode. Together, we sort through interviews, uncollected works, including a very early fairy tale, and try to key into why this year stuck with him. So how do you hear the full thing? Become a member of our Patreon, The Barons. It's there you can unlock over hundreds of hours worth of exclusive content from our Dark Tower Detour spinoff to our spooky Souls Midnights to over a dozen commentaries on all your favorite Stephen King movies. We even have a Stranger Things spinoff series called Talkin' Hawkins and a recurring Michael Crichton series aptly called The Crichton Cast. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe now through the link in the description of this episode or visit www.patreon.com slash the barons hope to see you there over long days and pleasant nights this year the shining comes out and a lot of other stuff does come out but this is actually a relatively like slow publishing year for him Mm -hmm. which is wild because we know what's to come yes but and obviously he had already released a bunch but it's like we get the shining and then we're going to talk about some of the short stories and other things that came out uh but but the thing was it was already in the news we're going to read some of these articles that stanley kubrick was adapting the shining that had already been established in this year and imagine that because kubrick had been around for you know 20 years at this point making some of the greatest films ever made and it's like okay this young guy he's literally in his 20s in maine uh has written these these you know books that a lot of critics maybe turn their noses up at but stanley kubrick's making it brian de palma just had a huge hit with one um and like it's all happening and that's yeah. the and just imagine the money that's already coming in and i think that but i think along with that sense of comfortability it's like well i gotta maintain this like i got to like the pressure that he must have felt during this time as well to keep producing and obviously we know he did like they talk about him working on another novel and mm-hmm. i was trying to think like which one it was the stand obviously yeah yeah and so it's like the stand but i had a moment where i was like is it dead sound like what is it but it's like so wild to think about Oh, he's working on the stand. Like right. that's the book that's sitting on his on you know in his typewriter right now, which is so wild to consider. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like that's the book that almost makes him mythic in its own way. Because here he's still, and he always feels like just a dude, but here he still feels like a, a guy who could potentially be a flash in the pan. And I feel like that's how he is treated to some degree in some of these articles. But um, it's but weird. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. it's it's weird to think how similar he is to Springsteen in terms of his trajectory because. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, like, so Springsteen's Born to Run hits in 75. And that's certainly the album that kind of, like, catapults him to another level. I and mean, granted, he had already had, you know, two albums prior to that, Greetings from Asbury Park and, and also Wild and Innocent and the East Street Shuffle. But it's like, Born to Run comes out in 75. That's literally, like, a year after Carrie comes out. And then by 78, he's got Darkness in the Edge of Town, which is only a year after The Shining. And it's like, both of them at that point have these platinum, you know, <laughs> these gold records that are taking him to to new heights and they both don't stop and they both keep expanding their reach and they both keep just showing 
how big they can get, which is so wild because then you, you even think about something like, like the river, which yeah. was in 80 and that's light. I think it's like maybe one or two years after he goes and releases the, the stand and the, and yeah. you know, the rivers is double album and then he pulls it back and he goes and does Nebraska, which is kind of like what King does with different seasons. So it's just like, it, it's, it's very, I've never really, I mean, we talked mm. a lot about how his, his the, the parallels between like, you know, King and Spielberg, King and Spielberg yeah. but yeah. like, it's kind of weird to think of like how similar he was in terms of, of with, with Springsteen. And also in the same way that they both come from a lot of the same sort of foundation and also mean the same thing to their respective um, oh, know, yeah. homelands in a weird way too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I if just we get the of, three of them in a, if we get the three of them in a room together, will it be like a key master gatekeeper? Yeah, we got to get these guys <laughs> together. <laughs> I think that would be categorically bad, um, but um, yeah. okay. I'm going to read the beginning of this article from 1980 or uh, from what am I saying? In February 12th, 1977.